If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program dedicated to helping you heal from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway, and I'm a licensed clinical mental health therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. But more than that, I'm someone who's been where you are now and has experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It's been a long journey through the path of healing, but I'm here to share with you the insights and the tools that I've gathered along the way. In this podcast, we'll explore the common symptoms that result from experiences with toxic abuse, such as depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, and feeling trapped. We'll also delve into the various techniques used by individuals with toxic and manipulative behaviors. But most importantly, I'll provide valuable techniques and practices to aid in the healing process. The healing journey brings us through those long-standing false perceptions that hold us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. It's about healing from dependency, codependency, trauma bonding, and abuse. You don't need to feel trapped anymore. Join me as we explore the path to inner healing and empowerment. Welcome to the podcast that helps survivors of toxic relationships reclaim their lives, move towards a happier, healthier future. I am thrilled to have Jason Shires with me today. I hope I pronounced that right. Did I? You did. That was very good. Thank you. (laughs) He is a highly respected therapist and host of the Misunderstandings of the Mind podcast. Jason's work focuses on helping people see their true nature and live a life free from suffering, which is so important for those of us who have experienced the trauma of toxic abuse. I can't wait to hear your insight on this topic, Jason. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, all, all great subjects and all sort of um, connected, you know, in, in such a way, I guess, and, and um, very powerful things to talk about and great to find freedom from as well you know yeah exactly can you um can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background in the in the field of mental health and maybe relationships yeah, yeah. um i mean i find myself i find myself where i am i guess due to my trying to find freedom for myself you know it's kind of like and, and i think like many of us that work in mental health professions you know we've suffered in some way and it's like that's where the passion and the drive comes from to really help other people free themselves you know um uh, my life started off with a tragic you know a tragic um traumatic event of my dad being killed in an accident and um from there I I used food abused food and as an addiction you know, as a way of coping and then I ended up in the psychiatric system at 10 years old being diagnosed and medicated for depression um, and things just went from bad to worse really you know my life became I guess I became an unmanageable child that my mum didn't know what to do with um, found drugs as a very young teenager um, and and really just went completely off the rails from there into drug addiction and crime and institutions, psychiatric interventions, locked wards, jails, just chaos, really. Um, I was on a path to self-destruction. And um, I guess I didn't really care at that time, you know. It's kind of like I, I really just, I only cared for escape and oblivion from my own life. Um uh, I found recovery when I was 23 uh, via the 12 steps and I had no clue about any psychological change or spiritual awakening or anything at that time. You know, I really just um, was sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, I was sick and tired of going to jail, sick and tired of being sedated and locked up and uh, psychiatric care 
got sick and tired of being homeless, broke, um, un unwell, you know, physically unwell and sort of um, committing crime to, to get money to find drugs. You know, I just had enough, basically. It was either suicide or change, I guess. That was the motivating factor. And, um, you know, I got, I got clean by the 12 steps from drugs and alcohol, but what I found was my life was just like a, what I call a whack-a-mole thing you know it's kind of like I stopped one thing and picked up another you know so I really didn't understand addiction at that time I was just told that I was an ad I had this thing called the disease of addiction that no one could explain it was just an unexplainable phenomena that some people had and some people didn't and I was just unlucky enough to have it and um, I could never use drugs or alcohol again for the rest of my life and uh, that was what was wrong with me. And I needed to go to meetings to to maintain this recovery, which I'd got now, you know, it's like, so I would naively just agreed to that. I said, okay, because I just was really clueless at that time. I thought these people are professionals. They must know what they're talking about. I don't really feel the need to investigate this any further because I was already tired of the way I was living and anything was better than what I had. And, um, you know, I, I ended up going to meetings for 22 years, you know, like, sort of adopting that new label that new way of life which was great on the outside you know my I, I didn't take drugs or alcohol I managed to become somewhat of a what you might call a productive what they call a productive member of society i.e I had a job and money I was no longer committing crime but my internal world was you know was horrific you know how it felt to be me was was painful and uh, the whack-a-mole thing that I referred to as really that I just put down drugs and picked up food again, but I, I was suicidal. You know, I was so overweight and so desperate and so empty inside. It was really bothering me to the point where I had six different cosmetic surgeries trying to change my body on the outside because I was desperate to feel happy on the inside, you know? And um, that's how I became a psychotherapist because I was just trying everything I could, you know, I'd, I'd gone to therapy. I quite liked it. And I thought, oh, if I could really understand this, then maybe I could help myself. That was all it was in aid of, you know, finding freedom for myself. Uh, all this stuff was going on at the same time, you know, going to meetings, training to be a therapist, having toxic relationships, unhealthy relationship with food, on and off obsession with the gym. You know, I would go to the gym, I would get really fit, I would meet somebody, I would have a dysfunctional, toxic experience of a relationship there wasn't physical abuse in my relationships but there was emotional yeah there was emo a lot of emotional abuse and uh, the, the relationship would end I would overeat I would then go back to the gym then I would find another relationship and it was just a constant vicious cycle of experience um I didn't know any different you know I really was just clueless to what that was about or or in, in any way you know in the meantime I was exploring all these other mental health things that I found, all the different therapies that came up, I tried them. I went to the Hoffman process, the Landmark Forum. I started doing spiritual silent meditations and things, you know, and, and I guess I just got to a point where, you know, I was resigned, you know, I was resigned that my life was going to be miserable, you know, and that I was somehow in this acceptance of misery you know it's kind of like that it was just never going to get any better you know the trauma story that I had the addict label the years of psychiatric diagnosis the years of eating disorders and in and out of unhappy relationships it just was how it was you know I just kind of just resigned to that not not really ever because no one could ever everyone I went to everyone said yeah 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 I can help you with that it never did you know I never never found any freedom so but I never gave up searching you know I never I always had a strong desire to find the truth you know to have an experience of freedom and I guess there was a part of me that really knew that there was something better than what I had you know even though that that lasted probably for the first 40 plus years of my life you know I eventually had a what I would call a non-dual spiritual awakening, you know, a realization of of a lot of my life had been just simply lifting my head. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd create, I'd gone through all these experiences and I'd taken on all these labels and identities and ideas about myself. I tried all, to fix myself from the psychological suffering, you know, through all the therapy, but I just had this realization where, you know, I'd, I'd it was a trauma response, really, you know, I'd kind of just adopted this identity in my own mind, and I'd lived out the experience of the identity that I created in my own mind, you know, and I was feeling on behalf 
of who I thought I was at all times. You know, I woke up every day with a lot of negative thinking about myself, with a story about how I could never find solutions, never find freedom, never really find success, never find relationships that were good. And then every day I tried to pull myself out of this dark hole. You know, it was it was really difficult because that was just how it had become. But I just really had this momentary experience of bliss you know of really finding a calmness within and it was just like waking up from a bad dream um like life had completely transformed in a second you know it was just completely over with and uh, and it was like uh there was a very strong knowing in me that i had that something had changed you know that life was going to be different what was that like like a spiritual awakening how would you describe it it was like a, it was a realization or a, a insight, you know. It's it's kind of part of my work now. What I what I help people see about the, the truth of human experience. I'd I'd seen that my life was not in my head, you know. It's kind of like the the in that I had lived, you know, disconnected, disassociated from my body my whole life, you know, and I lived in my head, in my thoughts about myself, uh, and I was basically what I would describe the leading character in the movie playing in my own mind, you know, and it's like, and, and, and in, as that character, I was all the labels, all the diagnosis, the trauma, the suffering, the broken person who could never find help. But I realized that wasn't who I was. That wasn't me. That wasn't my life. You know, it's just what I thought was true. And I'd kind of seen that there's a, there's awareness of this, there's an awareness of this experience going on inside the mind. You know, it's kind of like, and for that to be true, there has to be a place of okayness within. Because if I could see that something was not okay, there must have been something in me that knew that, you know? And I started to question this, like, not like, not like, (laughs) um, you know, a, a psychotic episode, you know, like where I'm hearing voices, but really just a questioning of my own mind, you know? It's kind of like, well, who is this? how do I know this, you know, to be true? And just started to say, well, who am I really, you know? And it's kind of like, and if you start looking at all these things that we think we are, I'm Jason, the, you know, job title, age, um, parental status, relationship status, this endless list of things, qualifications, all the things that none of them are permanent or true. They're not part of who we really are. So uh, once I'd kind of run out of questions, who am I really? I'm kind of left with a wondering, well, I don't actually know, you know, like who I am. And from there, I said, well, how is, what is this experience that I'm having of being a human being on, you know, in this world? It's like, and, and, and what is that made of? Well, it's made of thoughts, feelings, sensations, and perceptions, you know, sensations of the body, perceptions, thoughts of the mind, you know, it's like, and where are they coming from? Well, everything, I started to see that all of life was happening inside of me. It wasn't happening outside of me. And there was nothing that I needed to get outside of me to become okay. And, And with this realization, a lot of the, well, pretty much most of the suffering collapsed. You know, it's kind of like I really, my, I never needed psychiatric care. I didn't go back to therapy. I stopped going to 12-step meetings after 22 years. My own practice as a therapist changed drastically. Um, so the way that I work with people, what I help people to see. And uh, my eating disorder of 40 years just went, just never came back. You know, it's kind of like, so there was a real... It was like taking off the imaginary rucksack that we carry around, you know, and kind of putting it down and just leaving it. And that was it, just walking away from it. So it it wasn't the answer to all problems. You know, there's still some stuff which we can get into if you want. You know, it's kind of like, but, uh, and I think it's common in most people that I work with, but it was really, um, it was a real dissolving of of the trauma victim identity, uh, sufferer, addict, psychiatric, label whatever they'd been you know it was just gone I just really just thought it's just not me that you know wow I mean that sounds like the ultimate goal right there it almost sounds like you're describing ego which is the you know what your mind has put together and constructed for your sense Mm of self I guess and then your soul which is not really part of that I mean and we're still in this human existence so it's probably going to always be a a challenge between that because we still have to navigate this world but how do you help 
your clients? How do you help your clients get to that or see that? That's a good question. It's like, it's always different and there's no linear way. And I trust the process, you know, it's kind of like I show up with people without uh, a story, you know, and and I notice myself, you know, I notice where my own thinking shows up and my own ideas of, I think I know this person, you know, and I'm just very present with people and I'm curious and I feel very guided at what I point to people using metaphors, using questions, you know, for people to question their experience. See, when, when somebody shows up with you and you're very present and you're loving, you know, it's kind of like if they've been on a high alert most of their life, which a lot of us that have had traumatic experiences have, their nervous system starts to relax, you know, and it's kind of like it just allows the ego to, let's, let's not say completely disappear, but just to take a break, you know. It's kind of like an in the in the space that's created between you, you know. There's opportunity for somebody to see fresh about what's true and what's not true. And people will tell you exactly what they think, you know. It's like what, what they think is wrong with them, what they think their suffering is about, what they think they need to do to be okay, and all, and who they think they are. They'll tell you all that stuff, you know. It's like, but when you start to really question is that true? And, and not necessarily you're telling them it's not true, but you're asking them, is that true? Or where did that come from? You know, it's kind of, they start in that relaxed state, they start to wonder and be curious about their own experience, you know? So it's not like a, let's go back to your childhood trauma and relive it all and revisit it and get a different experience. It's really a question of where does all experience come from? You know, what's the nature of life? What's the nature of the human experience? And what's the nature of who we are as human beings before the idea of psychological suffering or before the concept that is installed by a psychological or psychiatric well-meaning people, you know, like that's installed into what's wrong with you, you know, all the labels that are around today and so on. Before that, who are you, you know? And in that space, people have insights, you know, they have insights into things that they've believed to be true for years that they realize are not true, um, they start to relax more. They start to be curious about life. They start to see more truth about themselves, be more present with people, have different relationships. And people often come to me for addictions. You know, it's like, but and we never talk about addiction because addiction is just a, uh, an innately intelligent way of coping with an uncomfortable experience, inter- internal uncomfortable experience. So, at some point when people start to feel better, they just no longer need an addiction to cope with their life because it just feels good now, you know? Yeah. And and it sounds, well, in your story, it sounds like you, um, I guess, hit rock bottom and that brought you the first step, which it sounds like just getting rid of the toxic, uh, well, not all of it because you switched to, to food addiction. You went from one addiction to another. Yeah. What do you think brought you to the spiritual awakening was it another rock bottom was it contemplation was there something that happened i think it was very serendipitous you know of life and i think life i often say that you can never get enough of what you don't want you know it's kind of like and if you really think what does that mean it means that life is always guiding us home to ourselves you know it's like the stuff that you really want when you're coming from a place of lack you know, will never work out. It will always backfire and be painful. You know, the relation, like if we're talking about toxic relationships, the people you meet that you think are the one are never are always going to be the most painful. You know, it's kind of like, because all they're ever doing is forcing you to look inwardly towards the very thing that you think you're lacking, that you can find in someone else, that you can only find in yourself. With that in mind, you know, life guided me to that experience. You know, it's like that it became painful enough that I had no choice. And I, and I found myself... Um, after Tony Robbins, it was, I did all of Tony Robbins's course and I really found it was exciting at first thinking I'd found something that was good. And then I, then I kind of, it all collapsed for me. I just thought this is bullshit. You know, it's not even true. And, um, and I, I was in this personal development group and I found this course called the path of effortless change. And it was, my life was like walking in quicksand, you know, every single day I had to pull myself out of a hole. So I thought I just was so drawn to the word effortless. You know, I thought, God, anything effortless sounds amazing. You know, it's kind of like, give me something effortless, give me an effortless life or an effortless day at least, you know? Um, so I, I was, I wasn't even intending, I was only intending to record this course to save it, you know, it's like, but I, I was 
screen recording it off a, off a website and I found myself mesmerized by the content of this course. Um, and I remember the guy, Michael Neal, it was in, he's a coach, lives in Los Angeles. And um, I was going to Los Angeles for something different, for a coaching training. And I just thought, oh, I remember that guy that I watched that video, you know, I said, he lives in Los Angeles. I'm going to look at his website. He had a three-day training on at the same time when I was in Los Angeles. And I thought, oh, this is weird. You know, it's kind of like it's going on at the same time. And I thought, I'm going to have to get there. So I found myself there, you know, and that was the... Three days together there, that was when I had that experience of really seeing beyond my own suffering, you know? That's how it came about. Maybe it is. Um, like you said, you can't get enough of what you don't want. Maybe, you know, after getting enough of that, you just kind of, you're like, fine, whatever. And then it becomes more effortless once you decide to let go. And then it sounds like you're just kind of guided there. Once you're like, once you give into it, like, okay, enough. I don't think letting go is a mental activity you can actually do. You know, it's kind of like, in a way, it's like, uh, I mean, I guess you can, maybe there, maybe that's wrong. You know, it's like, there, I guess at times I did surrender, you know, in, in my efforts to real, to real fine change. And, um, but people talk a lot about surrender, letting go, you know, for me, it was more like a, like in the experience that I had, it was more like a, there was more, of an insight came through where I no longer had to surrender or let go. I just knew there was something different for me. You know, it's kind of like there was more of a, an intelligence and knowing of, of something to be true that allowed me just to let go of everything else. You know, it just fell away as soon as I realized what was really true, you know, the, the, the attempts or the effort, you know, had kind of, had, had, um, they were no longer needed. Would you say like those are the protective barriers of the ego? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like the the self protection mechanisms from from the body sensations, the, from the trauma responses, from the, the the created identity, the separate self that I think I am, you know, is constantly trying to improve its status, better itself, and find um, love, happiness, and contentment in the outside world. You know, it's like which is never possible. It's only ever it's only ever doomed to failure that way. You know, it's like. That's the that's the huge realization is that we're not there's no separate me you know there's no J if I cut myself open there's no personality or character there's no Jason inside of me Jason is just a, a head full of flawed ideas about the character that he thinks he is you know it's kind of like none of it is a fixed entity people talk about character personality I'm like this I'm like that you know it's like none of which could possibly be true you know there's no fixed entity inside of us so like seeing beyond that um protection mechanism that idea of myself that i'd created innocently you know as a way to be okay in the world and then try to better improve or find freedom for on behalf of that you know that stuff all fell away it just just disappeared because i realized it wasn't true you know yeah, you see that a lot in toxic relationships you said you've experienced some of that in toxic relationships that seems to be like the entire problem of it is the protective barrier between two people trying to protect that sense of self. And that's where you see all those ego defenses come up. Um, what was your experience with that? I was very clueless, just again, trying to find love in a loveless place, you know, like trying to find love from somebody who is incapable. I mean, like and when we're, when we're disconnected from our true self, when we don't know who we are, you know, when we're lost in the defense mechanisms and the ego of the identity or what I called the lead character playing in the movie in our own minds, you know, it's kind of like that we just, we pick people that are going to confirm what we believe to be true, you know, and a lot of us that have had um, damaging, difficult, toxic 
whatever you want to call them, relationships. You know, it's kind of like we've adopted a lot of beliefs about how we, our relationships never work for me or I always find somebody who's abusive or uh, people always cheat on me. You know, the list of things is endless. You know, it's kind of like uh, I always find somebody who's not reliable, whatever it is. And then that's what we believe to be true. That's exactly what we create, you know, because the, the world will always confirm our beliefs about what it's true, you know, and then you go, see, I told you so. Every person I meet is like that. You know, how is it? How is it? I'm so unlucky that I meet these type of people. You know, it's kind of like, and that's what I believed. You know, I really thought that uh, I was, there was just something wrong with me and I couldn't find love. And I always found people that were unreliable or emotionally abusive, never saw me for who I was, never really could see the depth of my being. They couldn't see that. They couldn't acknowledge that. They couldn't love me, you know, and it's like, and that's all what I longed for. But the truth of it was, was that was, was what I was most frightened of meeting myself. You know, I was I was most frightened of that. And because I was so disconnected from myself and searching on the outside from a place of lack, you know, the only thing I ever met, the only person I ever met was someone that would confirm those things that I believed about myself. You know, it's like the journey has to be inwardly. The journey has to be to ourselves. And when we really find ourselves and we for want of a better word, cliche, love ourselves, you know, know ourselves from the truth of who we are, then we will meet someone else that can appreciate that and who we can appreciate. You know, it's, it's, it's a different journey. It's what I call, you know, it's an inside out journey, not an outside in journey. Most people are looking in the outside world to find the right person. You know, it's like if you become the right person, then you will meet the right person. And that's the only way it works. It just can't work any other way. What is your experience with that? Like if you were to compare and contrast the the toxic relationships and then once you turn inward and once you find your true self and connect with your true self and have that internal love that's able to expand out, what does a healthy relationship with another person in, in that look like? Oh, it touches my heart even thinking about it, you know, because it's just such a beautiful experience. And um it's just an ever deepening connection, you know, and, and seeing of, of each other, you know, of, our, of, of who we are. And um, it's a human experience too, you know, but without the need for explaining yourself or making excuses or fixing things that are broken, because we just realize that there, there are moments and there are always going to be moments in the human experience where we get triggered into stuff where things show up and we have these little, moments you know and it's quite funny because you know if my girlfriend now sometimes she I see when she's gone you know it's kind of like there's a switch that flicks and I see it and sometimes I just smile and laugh and I don't say anything and she comes back you know pretty quickly and sometimes when I get stressy and angry and that she just doesn't say anything you know it's kind of like and sometimes we both get caught up in it you know it's kind of like and then we come back and it's not like uh we don't need to have a conversation about this, you know, because this stuff's unacceptable. It's just a knowing that there's a there's an equilibrium to return to, and, and from time to time, we get lost in it. But there's on the flip side of that, there's a there's a beautiful experience of presence and love and connection, you know, that happens on a regular basis, you know, just simply in silence. Sometimes, you know, it's kind of like without words, um, without circumstances having to be right without uh statuses having to be right without everyone having to do certain things to make it happen it's just there in the silence of presence you know and that's you get to feel and experience your own heart in the presence of another person you know the love that's inside of you because that's the misunderstanding right i mean everyone is looking for love from someone else in someone else or outside of themselves it's like when you find a clean mirror so to speak you know you get to experience the love that's inside yourself with another person and, and share it with another person rather than getting someone else who loves you you know it's kind of like it doesn't work that way and and i think that that's that's the difference you know there's such a um a willingness to be curious about each other you know about experience and and, and just to be accepting and loving with what is, you know, without having to judge it or fix it or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, um, but I work with a lot of people who the reason that they're not connected with their self because they truly were sometimes before these toxic relationships. And then they kind of get thrown off that 
because of some of the conditioning and the programming and the ego defenses that are necessary in and around, you know, people that are very ego oriented, how, how do you, um, how do you cultivate that sense of self-compassion? I mean, if it was so unique and individual, you know, I, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for everyone. You know, it's like, um, but what I do know is the journey inwardly, you know, has been the only journey that has really brought me to consider like the depth of programming and conditioning is so much for some people that they don't even realize they've got it until they've had three or four damaging relationships. You know, they'll, they'll start to look backwards. I mean, I sometimes work with people who are 40 or 50 years old and they'll say, well, I've just started drinking alcohol or I just realized I've got a, my relationships not too healthy. But before this, everything's been okay. And on investigation, it's always been like that. They just uh, just haven't realized it, you know. Uh, some often with relationships sometimes I have to have three or four relationships where they go hold on a minute I'm meeting the same person here every single time in a just slightly different form a different body a different look a different status a different town city age uh, whatever it is but actually the experience that I'm having is the same or progressively getting worse you know because I'm the older we get the more we really try and get this thing that seems eternal that we can never find you know the love from another person so for whatever reason at whatever age at whatever point life has gifted you with this opportunity to see something about yourself you know it's kind of like and and whenever that comes who knows you know it's kind of like um but it's an opportunity to look in all struggling all suffering is really just like the, the question is, am I willing to look inwardly at what this gift is? You know, I, I really appreciate that toxic relationships feel completely painful and destructive and devastating for people. And I don't want to um, dismiss that. You know, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it's not painful. All of it is true. You know, all the human experience is true. But in hindsight, only ever in hindsight, can you look back and say, oh, my God, you know, if that hadn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't have looked here, I wouldn't have met this person, and so on and so on. So it's always, you know, if, you, if you're if you capable, if you're able, you know, it's kind of like, what is this What is this here to teach me? You know, every every bit of suffering, you know, and, and no one needs to stay in an abusive situation, you know, and I appreciate people find it difficult to, to leave them at some point, specifically in, in what you might call a toxic relationship. People stay in them for all sorts of reasons, but at some point, you know, you have to say to yourself, what, what is this for me? You know, what is there there? And, and that is always going to lead you to a place of freedom if you follow it you know if you're willing to look i mean we get we've been so conditioned for so long and habitually living a certain way that it's very painful and challenging sometimes to really look at that stuff you know or or to let that like for, for example for me um because my you can see how this related to trauma for most people actually um for me my dad was killed in an accident when I was five years old innocently i decided that love was not safe you know, and then I lived out my life finding loveless relationships, you know, it's kind of like, because love was not safe, you know, it's kind of like, so I chose those people for in my completely unconscious attempt to, to stay away from the scariest thing that was could ever happen to me, you know, it's like, so only when I was willing to face that and see that for myself, was I able to and even now, it's still challenging to let myself be loved. You know, it's because it's the most scary thing, you know, and it's the, it's the most, uh, it evokes the most emotion in me, you know, to have that experience with somebody. It's it's literally feels, my whole body, you know, can feel the, the fear of that. But I know what that is, you know. I know that that's my, the imprint of trauma on my body and how it shows up in current relationships. And I think for most people, that's true. You know, if you're willing to look back, it's like there, there'll be something that you decided unconsciously from your experience as a child that shows up that, that you're trying to confirm in relationships, you know? So that's why the inner work is really the only way to go, you know, to heal yourself from that thing. And that's why it's such a gift because it's really healing that part of yourself that you innocently disowned as a way of coping with life as a child, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's sometimes I can imagine that it's really hard to find that because like you're talking about it, that incident with your dad, and I'm very sorry that has a, a had a, you know, a 
a huge impact on your mind, body, soul, your whole nervous system. Like at that point in time, you had your brain at some, you know, some level scripted that in you deeply in you and it's contained in you that love isn't safe. It It's like right then and there in that moment, but it isn't just in your consciousness. You feel it throughout your body and throughout your nervous system. So that, that is a challenge getting in touch with that. And you're right about turning inward. What's your advice for um, accessing that to, to find that scripting where it is? Yeah, I mean, I, I often with um, somatic experiencing, you know, it's kind of like the, the, there's not, like you said, it's unconscious. There's not a connection to, oh, my dad was killed, so this is not safe. It's like it doesn't work like that trauma. You know, it's it's imprinted in the body, you know, in certain sensations and senses, you know, through the senses with strong emotional responses. You know, it's kind of like the smell of something or the touch of the sensation or the feel or the way somebody says a word evokes an intense emotional response you know it's always in the body and um for many people you know i when i the first thing i ask them when i work with them where do you experience you know where do you experience this where do you experience that you know it's kind of like and everyone is here you know it's kind of like they're in their head and that's just part of the protection mechanism so it's really about going to the body and starting to reconnect people to their body and saying, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I feel a tightness in my chest or I feel energy, my legs feel restless. I feel energy in my legs or, you know, and start to help people become embodied again because they've become disembodied as a way of coping, you know. So using that somatic practices, uh, awareness, somatic awareness, sensations, reconnecting people to the body, because all the mind is doing is protecting you from the sensations of the body, you know, it's like that we're disconnected from. And a lot of um, traditional talking therapies are just focused on the mind. They don't really, you know, they don't really bring the body into it, or they don't really even acknowledge that there is a stored imprint on the body, you know. So helping people reconnect to themselves, start to become aware of their sensations, their experience. And sometimes that can be painful before it becomes better. You know, it's like for people, especially if they've disassociated, dissociated for so long. Um, but then they start to get a healthy relationship with themselves. And I mean, in their rawest form, we're talking about energy. We're talking about sensations of the body and thoughts, which are an energy, transient energy of the mind. You know, it's like that's the experiencing. Um, the meaning is part of the story. You know, it's kind of like the meaning that I've had to it, that I add to it myself. And and by using the spiritual aspects of my work, you know, it's like helping people detach from the story that's attached to the sensation. It's like, so if the sensation comes and the story is, oh, I get that because of my trauma, you know, it's kind of like, and that's part of the identity, right? So in some ways we innocently perpetuate the whole experience of trauma, you know, the whole thing. It's like, oh yeah, it's part of my identity, but seeing it in its rawest form as simply a sensation that arises in the body in response to a stimulus from the outside then dissipates again over time because energy always dissipates over time helps people free themselves from the story and then sort of to be with because all we can do is be with learn to be grounded in the present moment to be in the present moment with whatever because whatever's there is whatever's there i mean it's not gonna can't get rid of it so you can't just become free and totally blissful all the time but you can certainly learn to have a good experience of the present moment regardless of these imprints you know of depending on what your experience is you know that's exactly it. and you're talking about the energy you know the mind the control over that energy or lack of control over that energy awareness of it or lack of awareness of it and then you mentioned spirituality and how how do you incorporate spirituality into that treatment process or into that connection yeah i mean like that's like i go back to my own experience you know and and sort of helping people to see that they're not the story it's like that it's an innocent attempt to to um stop the suffering you know that they that that, that every child has unlimited or what you might call infinite resilience you know it's like it's not something that you have to gather it's like it's just a natural part of the human being you know and infinite creativity and like in our infinite resilience and creativity we find ways to cope with every bit of adversity that comes our way and to be okay it's just that those 
things that we learned as a way to be okay as children become the most painful experiences of our adult relationships. You know, it's like they're what we play out in everything. So it's, first of all, helping people to see that it's completely innocent. They're not broken. They're not damaged. They don't need fixing. There's nothing wrong with them. What they're doing is completely normal and intelligent response of the, of the, what I call the self-correcting body-mind system. You know, it, it all works perfectly. It's exactly right. Nothing's by accident or anything like that. You know, it's all, and all the pathologization of uh, normal human response to adversity. Sometimes with my work, the spiritual part of it is undoing, undoing some of the stuff that's been installed into people. You know, the ideas about themselves, I'm broken, I've got this label, this diagnosis, this issue, this psychological concept, whatever you want to call it. I'm narcissistic, I'm borderline, I'm schizotypal, whatever, whatever the idea, you know, whatever the list of uh, labels that has been given to people, you know, it's like undoing those things because they are just a, a description of behavior, you know, that's been classified by the psychological, different psychological treatments. So like a lot of the spiritual part of it is really undoing the ideas, undoing the beliefs, you know, it's kind of like people innocently take these things on and think they are uh, a real thing. You know, it's kind of like, it's like, a, oh, I've been diagnosed with depressions. It's because I've got brain chemistry imbalance. Well, there's no such thing as brain chemistry imbalance. You know, it's kind of like that there isn't, you know, it's kind of like depression is, is a simple opinion of a professional. You know, it's like no more, slightly more educated opinion than your average person. But like the, the, the diagnosis of depression is basically just a description of your mood and behavior over a period of time. You know, it's not the cause, couldn't possibly be the cause. So this is where people have been given these diagnoses or these ideas about themselves that have become part of their identity. So a lot of my work is really undoing that. Who are you beyond this label, beyond this identity, beyond this idea? And once they start unloading all that stuff, they start to question, well, who am I? Because that's always the question, who am I? It's like, and that's the spiritual aspect of it you know it's kind of like seeing who we are beyond all this human creation you know all the human labeling human um pathologization of, of response to adversity you know that we experience and um once we start unloading and taking the weight of the world off our shoulders that has been innocently installed they, these are not malicious practitioners or anything they're just well-meaning people that just didn't understand the problem um once we start helping people see that then they naturally have a more free and joyful experience of being alive without all that, you know, that carrying that huge rucksack of identity with them. So that's the spiritual thing, really seeing the nature of the human experience, you know. Exactly. Do you ever encounter any obstacles with that with people when um, bringing in the spirituality, like maybe, for example, people that were raised in like, ultra extreme religions or cults or something like that who have rejected spirituality you know um don't or they tell you that they don't believe in anything beyond the self now and again but i think i think like i don't think for me spirituality is against religion for, for a start you know i think it includes all religion you know i have no opinion about religion and i don't really necessarily introduce stuff as spirituality unless it feels welcome you know it's like I, I, i'm just having conversations with people that are transformative you know it's kind of like just so happens that i understand they're spiritual in nature perhaps the other person is just having a conversation you know it's kind of like i don't necessarily want to get into discussing concepts of what i'm doing with people because they're engaging the the defense mechanism or engaging the intellectual mind is, is just a, a quick way to getting nowhere you know it's like with somebody so um, now and again, you know, I find religious and I can talk within religions with what I share with people, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't feel that I've ever come up with a conflict with that. And um, if somebody, I, I think the most important thing is if somebody is completely um, believes in only the self, you know, it's kind of like, I, I'm not against that either. I'm, I'm not actually uh, forcing anyone to believe anything. I'm just asking people to check for themselves if what i'm saying is true it's not a i don't want to interchange this is the way it works and you have to believe me to get better it's not that it's really like a here's what i'm seeing and can you have a look for yourself and see if this is true you know it's kind of like and 
maybe it comes to a point where I can't help somebody, you know, if they don't want to, they don't want to look. It's like, I can only help people that are willing to look, you know, and, and that's, and that's true for life, right? You can't help everyone. Like what you're describing that just the recognition of something beyond the self is so important in the healing process and healing and bringing your experience back to your, we were saying before, ego versus soul, back to your soul experience rather than your ego experience of it. How can we work to identify our own toxic behaviors when the when the protective self or the ego is working so hard to keep some of us from seeing those? I think if somebody's asking that question to start with, you know, it's kind of like, how can I see my own? Then they're in a good position. You know, it's kind of like, because they're wanting to look. You know, it's kind of like, I think the challenge is as if somebody is just, no, I'm fine. It's all you, you know, it's kind of like, which is common, right? In, in, in toxic relationships. Um, if you're just wanting to question yourself, you're already on the, on the journey to seeing that, you know, and it's like, and just by working with someone or having conversations or, or even being curious about your own experience, how come I noticing patterns is one, you know, every time, uh, my partner comes home late or doesn't call me or something, I get angry and I do this or whatever it is, you know, however that shows up, you know, it's kind of like uh, there'll be so many variations of patterns and triggers, you know, that certain things that create uh, certain experiences, you know, intense emotional responses, as we talked about earlier, you know, like trauma imprints. So things that feel uh, that seem like an overreaction, you know, it's kind of like something happened and I felt an intense amount of, experience you know as a result of it you know it's like i think if you know if somebody's already asking that question they're going to start to become aware of these things quite easily you know and it's like and i always say to people you know that's all you have to start with just asking yourself that question like you said you know it's kind of like what what is what is showing up for me what are my responses about as soon as you start asking yourself that question you're going to be shown it's going to show up for you. It's going to become obvious, you know. It's always great to have a mentor, a teacher, a guide, a coach, a therapist, whatever it is that you feel drawn to, you know. It's kind of like but someone that really allows you to question yourself, you know, and to be curious about your own experiences is a real beautiful relationship and, and so valuable, you know. Yeah, I think that's it too. When they show up to a coach or a therapist or another person that they can trust really what it seems that they're doing is asking for that to be reflected back to them in an honest way. Yeah. Not, not, not to receive advice on how to fix it or, or how to be with it or how to change it or what to do differently or how to reframe it or any of those things, but just to be witnessed, just to be present with another person and share that and allow you to feel you know, in the moment, whatever that is, you know, it's kind of like to, and, and also the value of that is really seeing the okayness of it. You know, it's kind of like when you're not receiving advice or guidance or telling you how to fix it or what to do with it, it's kind of like you get to see that it's okay. It's a normal human response and, and we get to work it out ourselves what to do about it because the only teacher is direct experience. No advice is is really of any value you know that's the way i see it around this stuff that we're talking about we have to have a direct experience and the realization and for that a good mirror a person who's able to be with you in those present and to be present with you in those moments when you're sharing your struggles is the most productive way of seeing deeply into your own your own responses and reactions you know i agree beautifully said Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to add or share? No, I guess only that, you know, suffering doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, it doesn't come for no reason. You know, it's really, it's really always pointing us back inside. You know, it's like, so if you're suffering or struggling or something's not looking right to you or something feels off or you're curious about something that's playing out in your life, you know, it's really like a, you could call it a love letter from the soul, you know? It's like, I, I know it doesn't feel pleasant in the moment, but really it's just kind of waking you up to see something deeper about your own experience and who you are, you know? And life will continue to do that until you look, you know? And that's that's the beauty of the experiences. So um, don't dismiss things, ignore things. It's like, you know, you can do that for years and years, but eventually I guess you have no choice but to look, 
now it's kind of over just to see things not as a suffering or as a you know as any of those things even though they feel uncomfortable it's like seeing well, what is life telling me here what is life pointing me to here because there's always a more beautiful experience available you know you're right and as you were talking about in the beginning as with an, any addiction or attachment it's kind of an avoidance of that avoiding the painful or uncomfortable feelings instead honor those feelings because they're there to offer direction back to yourself or guidance yeah that's, that's beautiful i think it's true we, we we'll keep picking these people for relationships that will cause us pain you know it's like until we become willing to look inwardly at which point we can be we can be free and enjoy the, the thing that we always wanted on the outside we can experience it on the inside you know because that's the only place it is anyway you know exactly thank you jason that's you're incredibly insightful all your experiences everything that you've been through everything that you add to this topic i really appreciate you sharing your time with me and then before we go can you let our listeners know where they can find you learn more about you your work your podcast um my website is wideworldcoaching.com uh, my podcast is misunderstandingsofthemind.com where we talk about different areas of life that look a certain way leading to spiritual awakening you know how all these things are really part of the same like we've talked about today they're really just love letters from the soul you know anxiety depression addiction relationships all these things um i've just started a new section on trauma healing we're doing some um, episodes at the moment with people really seeing trauma from a spiritual perspective you know not as a as a new thing to be afflicted with but as something that's really just waking us up to our true nature um and i also have conversations with people that have had spiritual experiences you know they've suffered or they've you know been lost in some sort of part of their life and they wake up to the to the beauty of the human experience you know through, through, in a momentary experience you know rather than through a long drawn out process of trying to heal so um yeah if anyone's interested in those conversations there's some great uh, some great stuff on that i would definitely urge my listeners to seek that out that's vital for healing and thank you again to jason shires and thank you for listening to the inner source healing podcast healing from toxic relationships it's important to give yourself the self-compassion that you deserve and remember that your feelings matter if you want more information or you want to contact me, please visit my website at www.innersourcetherapy.com.